Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Right, it's time for a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss in this one on the opening day of training camp. Doc Rivers talked to the media. Tobias Harris talked to the media. A little bit of movement on the Ben Simmons front in terms of getting more reports from some plugged-in guys like Sam Emick of The Athletic, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. Uh, Doc did touch on that. So we'll jump into a few of those things in this episode. But before we do that, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We'd appreciate a five-star review if you feel like giving us one. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And check out libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs. So it was day one. Uh, the guys being back together on the court when we got into the practice facility in Camden. Uh, got to see a little bit of on-court stuff. Tyrese Maxey running the point guard. Good to see him doing that. Joel Embiid had some nice finishes around the rim for the limited amount of on-court time that we got to see. And P.S., by the way, in person, if you see Seth Curry shoot in like with your own eyes like and you're actually there, that dude doesn't miss. It was, it was phenomenal for me to see. I was like, how many times this guy was able to, to hit his shots, albeit all open, but I'm like, damn. No wonder why these guys in the NBA are as good as they are. But it was interesting to start the day. Sam Amick of The Athletic, one of, one of the best NBA reporters really in the industry, talked about how Simmons doesn't have any personal beef with Joel Embiid, but he thinks that playing with him and being on the court has ran its course. And that when we were at Sixers Media Day on Monday, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, both saying, hey, we expect him to be back. And that was the message of their media availability was that we expect him to be here. We think he's a great player and we want him here. But the onus obviously is, is on Ben Simmons. So Amick talked to some of his sources who basically called it all BS and saying that, you know, they they weren't happy with with hearing what Maury said, uh, especially in terms of the the comparison with Aaron Rodgers you know, being back for the Green Bay Packers and Maury referenced their win over the Niners on, on Sunday where he said that I'm quoting here, I watched last night a player led their team, lead their team to a victory where a thousand pounds of digital ink were spilled on how much he would never play for that team again. I got to admit, I love that line of thousand pounds of digital ink. That's a good one on Daryl Maury. He, he's, he's a wordsmith. You could see that. But uh, that reference and, and that basically comparison fell flat with Simmons and his camp. So basically the gist of Amick's article that he wrote on Tuesday on The Athletic is that it's over and that, you know, Ben Simmons really just feels like it's, it's time to move on, time to find a new home, and that really he feels like even though him and Embiid have no issues in terms of how they get along on a day-to-day uh, basis, but that he's not really cool with playing with him anymore. So Doc was asked about this report during the media availability, and here's what he had to say. I don't have a reaction to that, you know, because uh, Ben's not here. So, um, you know, I, I do believe that somebody will be. And, you know, if, he, if, it, if it isn't, then you've got another story. So I don't get caught up in that. Um, 
you know, right now I'm gonna focus on the guys that are on the floor. I think that's more important. But that, with that being said, yeah. do you have to have conversations with the guys? I mean, like, yeah, right now, uh, but you know, the day he comes, yeah, yeah. Um, this is, this is, this is not uh, the first time the guys didn't think they could play together or do play together. Um, this is basketball, so I, I don't think this is any earth-shattering thing to me. That's interesting. And then the, the Sixers, Sixers are sticking with the message that, hey, we expect Ben back. We still think he's a great player. But again, Rivers pretty dismissive to to everything and, and, and still saying the things that maybe that they want, which is ultimately if Ben does come back, they've they've reportedly said that they'll find a different role for him in the offense, that he is a little bit more featured than, than he would be. And he also basically that, you know, the other option is he comes back increases his trade value and moves things along. And, and if you're looking at this from, from a Sixer standpoint, in my opinion, the Sixers are doing everything right because there's no point in trading the guy for 50 cents on the dollar. Not when you got an MVP candidate on your team and Joe, not when you have a guy like Tobias Harris, who might slot into a number three role on a championship team. And not when you have the, the, the roster that they have compiled and the expectations are after all the process years that this team will be in the running for a championship. Haven't made it past the second round yet. Are you going to do that by trading Simmons for, you know, some future picks, some pick swaps and, and, and maybe a couple of prospects? Probably not. Could you do that with Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal? These guys become available. Absolutely. And so we're at that part of the season now where you're basically looking at it like teams like the Chicago Bulls, who did make several changes in the offseason. They believe they're going to be good. The Orlando Magic think they can take a step and get in the playoffs. The Cleveland Cavaliers are hopeful. Maybe Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. These guys come together. They're, you know, they got Evan Mobley now that, hey, maybe things work out. Maybe we can sneak into the plan. So, you know, every team thinks that they're going to be probably better than they are. It, and don't get me wrong. It's fun compared to the years that we had with Golden State playing Cleveland every year in the NBA finals where you pretty much well knew it was a two or three horse race. Now we got a, a ton of teams. You, you do have your front runners. You can look at the East and you got the defending champs and the Bucks. You got the Nets. They're obviously going to be good. Miami's going to be good. You look at the West. There's a ton of good teams in the Western Conference. The Lakers reloaded a bit with Russell Westbrook. Golden State should be better if, if Clay Thompson's back and, and, you know, even 80, 90% of what he was prior to his back-to-back injuries. And if he returns in December, January, the Clippers might get Kawhi back. Dallas could take us, you know, there's so many teams, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, all these teams. So even at the tier below the championship level, you have a bunch of these squads thinking that we can make a run. And so maybe they don't want to mess with the rosters that they have. That, that's definitely going to change by the time we get into December, where teams could be sitting at five, 10 games below 500, realize we're not as good as we thought we were. And it's time to move on and move some pieces. So I do think ultimately in the short term, it might hurt the Sixers by having Ben Simmons sitting out that could change again if they're if they're able to start off you know seven and three ten and five whatever and 20 games in and they're they're 14 and six 15 and five where the pressure isn't on them to make a deal and th that also applies for the Sixers what I was just saying about the fact that you know every team is, is looking at themselves like we could be good they could struggle coming out of the gate and if they you know start off seven and nine seven and ten the pressure is going to mount on Maury to trade Simmons and and take what he can get so they can add at least something that might be able to salvage a season so uh, again ultimately I don't think we're going to get a resolution to this anytime soon uh Tim Bontemps of ESPN he's also here in Philly for media day 
uh, he was on Zach Lowe's podcast earlier on, on Tuesday. And he basically said that he doesn't see a resolution come in for a while. And, and I'm with him. I, I just think the Sixers have a good enough roster that they can stay in the top five or six in the Eastern Conference without him, maybe even better than that. And and hope that a deal comes through where the, the, the Wizards start off you know, poorly and they want to get rid of Bradley Beal or Dame doesn't like the direction that they're going in in Portland. So he's like, you know what, get me out of here. But, you know, even then, it, it was interesting hearing from or reading from Sam Mamick's report that his sources are saying that Ben Simmons doesn't want to play with Embiid because they were dominant together. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at the the numbers, at, at the analytics of them, they had a 102.8 defensive rating the team did with both Embiid and Simmons on the court, a, a positive net rating of 15.5. That's, you know, a great for, for a duel that's playing that many minutes together. But it is it is something that I look at with Simmons, like, where are you expecting to go? You know, and he has, and and, and Kevin O'Connor wrote about this on The Ringer. You know, he referenced uh, last season's 42.12 assist game against the Jazz where, uh, you know, Simmons balled out and Bede wasn't playing and, and he showed what he could do. And, and you kind of, that's a one game sample size. You know, can he, is he good enough to lead a team on his own? Like if he gets traded to, a team like I'm just saying hypothetically gets to traded to a team like the Cavs are, are they do they instantly become a playoff contender at the very least a play-in contender we haven't seen that enough from Simmons and I'm not going to deny the fact how good he is at 25 years old being a three-time all-star uh, going to be in the contention for defensive player of the year for the next five six years at the very minimum and the way he can handle the ball in the open court at his size and then the way he sees the court his court vision it's tough to find that but on a consistent basis. And maybe that is because of Joe's, you know, be on the team and Joe's presence on the roster that, Hey, we haven't got to see Ben Simmons do that for 40 games, 50 games where he is the guy and seeing how good he can be with a team like that. So it did come out a bit out of left field to, to read that in Sam Amick's report that, you know, he basically doesn't want to play with Embiid a guy, like I said, he's one of the best defensive duos, you know, pair it together. They're one of the best defensive duels in the game. And, you know, Doc was willing to maybe use him in more of a role like a, a Giannis type role or where he's kind of a finisher where he's having the ball and, and running pick and rolls where, where he's kind of dictating either he's the one setting the screen and dictating if he wants to roll, if he wants to pick and pop or he's getting the screen set for him and deciding, you know, I'm going to come around the corner and try and finish at the rim. But I, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know if Simmons can do that yet to be the lead dog. Obviously, he has to develop his offensive game where if you want the ball in your hands and you want to be the main man on a team, you got to show that you could score with the pressure on you. And he hasn't been able to do that yet. Can he finish? Absolutely. We've seen him. He could be a beast at the rim when he wants to, when he's engaged, when he's aggressive, but can he do that when on a, on any given night on a, on a Tuesday, when, when you're in Charlotte and you need somebody to, to score, you know, six points down the stretch, because your team just doesn't have it and they need somebody to bail them out. Can Simmons be that guy? I, I don't think we've seen that yet. I want to jump into some more of Doc's comments during the opening day of Sixers training camp. We'll do that after a short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. I was discussing a little bit about 
the Simmons and Bede report from Sam Amick and, and how he feels like that's ran its course. Uh, again, and I want to reiterate, Simmons reportedly has no issues with, with Joe on a personal level, but just in terms of court fit, he, he doesn't see it being a thing, obviously with Embiid being on the block a lot of the time and, and taking up a lot of space closer to the basket, which is where Simmons wants to take a majority of his shots. Hence, <laughs> we didn't see him take a lot from beyond the arc, which obviously has become a staple in, in today's NBA game. And, and it's funny because you look back at, and I'm old enough to remember in the 90s, and you know, regardless of, of the Chicago Bulls success that they had with MJ and, and Scottie Pippen, obviously brought in a, a defensive lockdown guy, rebounder in, in Dennis Rodman. But you look back at, at those days, if you had a point guard, an all-star level point guard and an all-star level center, you were in good shape. You know what I mean? I mean, you look at the, the Houston Rockets, obviously Hakeem was, is another level in terms of, of how good he was on the block and his footwork. You, you know, bringing a guy like Clyde Drexler, boom, you were able to get a championship. You had Charles Barkley, uh, Kevin Johnson, very, very good together. Didn't make it, didn't win the ring, but were very, very good on the court together. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, you can go on and on and on where they had these guys, you know, Anthony Hardaway and, and Sean and uh, part of me, Shaq, when he was on the magic again, does it, there's another example, but the league kind of shifted. I believe when, when the Celtics got Ray Allen and, and Kevin Garnett, we're able to bring a championship to Boston with the quote-unquote big three. We saw the Miami Heat emulate that with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh in 2011. Didn't win it the first year, but they did get two championships in four straight NBA finals. So, I mean, that blueprint is out there. Then you can even look at the Golden State years. Obviously, that team was just stacked. The original championship in 2015 was Steph, Clay, Draymond Green. The Cavs upset them with a roster that featured LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, regardless of what he's morphed into now, younger Kevin Love was still a beast, not as good as he was in terms of putting up the numbers he was with the T-Wolves, but still a very good third option to have. So Doc talked about that. He was asked about that during the media availability following day one of training camp. And here's what he had to say about having two or three stars on the roster. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you need three. I know you need two. Um, um, you know, Tobias has proven himself to be that, at least last year he was. He should have made the All-Star team. Um, but you do need a third option. You know, uh, oftentimes when you look at the teams with three, the third guy is really not left out, but he's a, he's the third option. Uh, Chris Bosh, as good as he was, I had to take a back seat. And, and it took a, to me, for him to do that is big for his team. Ray Allen with us, you know, on certain nights, didn't get as many shots as, you know, usual. You know, probably Durant and Harden and Curry, someone on a given night. Um, but it's nice to have three, for sure. But two is really important. So he's looking at that the right way. You know, you look at Tobias Harris, he, he did very, very well last season in terms of, you know, what he brought to the table. He's going into year 11 now, so he's he's been around, you know what I mean? He's still only 29 years old, so has a lot left in the tank. Put up 19.5 points, uh, 6.8 rebounds, 3.5 assists last season. Shot a respectable 51% from the field and close to 40 from beyond the arc. Obviously struggled in terms of the the playoffs and not being able to to finish at the rim. That, that was a, a knock on Toby in the, in the playoffs. But you look at, you look at overall what the Sixers have. And I was, I was kind of looking at this, comparing it to what, you know, with the Bucks that you have an MVP type and I mean, generational talent in, in Giannis, right? The guy is, is a freak. That's why he has his nickname. 
but they had Chris Middleton with him, all-star level player. You had Giroux Holiday, a former all-star. You had Brooke Lopez, former all-star. These guys are all on the roster. P.J. Tucker, a great, great role player uh, throughout his career. So you have all these guys surrounded by him. And then you look at, you know, you look back at, at even the Raptors. They had Kawhi Leonard uh, when they beat the Sixers in seven. They had Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet stepped his game up, Serge Ibaka, you know, all-star level guy. So they had the depth to be able to go at it with two. And I think that's where the Sixers were in a pretty good position with what they had last season. And the results were there in the regular season when you go 49 and 23. But they had the formula of having three guys. And, and you heard Doc there compare, you know, Chris Bosch saying that, hey, one of these guys have to take a lesser role. Obviously, Ben, just in terms of his game and his fit, took a lesser role in terms of how many shots he got a game. But he was still a big part of the Sixers game plan. And I think that's where Toby Harris fits in at his best. Is, is being a third option on a very, very good, if not championship level team. And so the Sixers with Simmons, if they have that, are, are still right there because Joel, I believe at the very least, you know, hopefully his, his health holds up at the very least, he's got another maybe three, four, five, you know, top notch level of play of years left in him. And so he could be, you know, the, the focal point of a championship team. He's shown that and he's very hungry to prove that again this year. You know, we're talking to him at, at media day, he was focused on that. And he's like, we want to win. And, and Toby said that in his media veil following the practice on Tuesday that, hey, you know, we want to win. And I think that is the focus. And, and you're looking at a guy like Tyrese Maxey who's going to have some added pressure without Ben in the lineup. And if, if he can take a jump in, in year two, you're going to have guys like Matisse Thybul, who, who is, uh, to me, uh, could be a great role player and, and morphing into that. He, he shows signs that he can. Danny Green, a great shooter. Uh, you're going to have guys like Seth Curry, who I mentioned off the top, who, who is a shooter. But they need to bring in, you know, they're, they're hoping all these guys take a, take a step in terms of Maxi, uh, Matisse. You're looking at uh, Shake Milton, Jaden Springer, what he can bring maybe as a, as a first-round pick. That remains to be seen. But when you take Ben off this roster, I think the Sixers fall to somewhere in the 4-5 range in the East, maybe the 3, depending on, on how things go. And then on the flip side, with Ben Simmons, they're a contender for, for the top spot in the conference once again. And in the, really in the entirety of the NBA. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is tying this back to what Doc and, and Daryl are saying that they want to bring him back. And really the approach the Sixers brass has taken to this is that let's wait till we can get the best possible package because we have a number one in Joel Embiid. My opinion, they have a very good number three in Toby Harris, but they need somebody to be a number two. And if you have that with the talent the Sixers have around you, I think Danny Green, as much as he doesn't fill it up stat-wise, his injury really, really hurt the team in that Hawk series. But if you have him on the roster, Seth Curry, and then you have some defensive horses like you have with Matisse Dybul, I think the Sixers are in a great spot. So waiting this out and trying to get at least another top dog. And the unfortunate part is Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, anybody on the Sixers brass in terms of management has no control over what's going to happen in the in the coming months and who's going to become available. But taking the patient approach to make sure you can try and get at least somebody who can slot into the top three and preferably at least at number two on your roster in terms of what they bring skill wise and, and, and how good they are. I think they have to do it. And, you know, you hear Doc talk about that. You know, they did it in 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 Boston and where Ray Allen had to sacrifice and, and take a little bit less on the offensive end, still a hugely immensely important part of those teams and made some big shots as well. And not like he didn't have his moments. And Chris Bosh, you know, if, if LeBron and 
Dwayne Wade was struggling, Eric Spolstra could just be like, yo, you know what? Put Bosch on the block and let him go to work because he's good enough to get us back in the game or he's good enough to carry us while these two struggle. And I think Toby Harris can be that, but they need to get another guy that fills in that third spot. So I don't think this is going away anytime soon. We're not going to see the Sixers move Ben Simmons, you know, in the next week or so unless they get a godfather offer that they can't say no to. But this is going to drag on for quite some time. And I do think that Maury and, and, and company are, are taking the right approach to this in terms of saying, hey, let's just chill here. Let's, let's relax. Let's get the best possible deal we can. And when the time is right, we will make that move. And, and as much as they're saying all the right things that they expect Ben back, which you heard Doc say in the, in the first clip that I played, uh, I, I do think they know that the writing's on the wall. They're saying the right things publicly not to diminish his trade value, not to let teams pressure him and say, dude, this is over and you've already admitted it. They're taking the right approach. Try and get another guy that slots into the top three. So you have Joel, whoever number two is, could be Dame Lillard, Bradley Beal, and, and those guys can be, Joel and them could be interchangeable on any night in terms of scoring the ball, although, although neither of the guys will bring the defensive impact that Embiid does. And then you got Tobias Harris there, who I, I will say, after talking to him the last couple of days, is really, really focused on bringing it and getting better this season in terms of improving his pull-up uh, jumper. He specifically mentioned shooting outside from three. And then on top of that, you're going to have guys looking to make a, a step in their in their careers. Guys like Tyrese Maxey, guys like Shake Milton, guys like Matisse Thybul. Uh, So this is going to be an interesting few weeks. Things don't get going until October 20th in terms of the Sixers' first game of the season. So, you know, I think we're going to have to let this breathe for a couple of months, ultimately, and see what happens. And once, you know, Ben starts getting hurt in terms of the checkbook that the money's not rolling in, he's paying out fines. Maybe things will speed up then, but this is, this is going to take some time, but overall my first impressions over the first couple of days of meeting with the, with the Sixers and reconvening with them and, and, and getting to see them up front, they still believe they have a good team, which they absolutely do. And they still believe that they could win. And they still look at themselves as a tough, tough squad. And, and, and Doc Rivers has the right mentality and, and the rest of the players do. But don't expect any any sort of resolution to this Ben Simmons stuff. Um, and looking at the at the whole, the sum of all of everything kind of put together, I, I do think that this will be uh, the right move that, that Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, and, and the Brass are, are making in terms of trying to wait to get the best deal that keeps the Sixers at least in the championship conversation. That'll wrap up this episode of Sixers Daily. Adio had his out-of-sight pod up on the feed earlier on Tuesday. They discussed some of the Ben Simmons stuff, as well as break down Matisse Thybul and how his Olympic experience can help the team. So you can check that out as well. We'll be having new pods coming at you on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network throughout the week. So don't forget to subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. That'll wrap things up for this one. You can follow me on Twitter at jazzkang21. I'll try and update with I'll try and update y'all with as much as I can in terms of the next couple of days of training camp.